pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for a chance to stop, to think, to worship you, to learn, to grow, and to be used by you. And Lord, I pray that this morning, as we look at the scriptures and as we think and as we talk to one another, that we would really be changed for the good so that we could be your people in the city that you love and do the things that you've called us to do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's start with the question. Uh, and you know it's always a trick question, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love the church? The people of God, right? Other Christians. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? Uh, for some of us, say like, man, I've been burned by church, but a friend invited me, and I heard there were donuts, so I decided to come. Um, but how much do you love the church? All right, a little more specific. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love this church? <laughs> All right. You are so much more spiritual than, than the group at 9 o'clock, for sure. They're like, I don't know. How much do you want? All right, let's get really practical. How, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love the specific people that you know in, in this church? And here's why I ask the questions, because we're in a, in a conversation between now and Christmas, not just looking at the gift of Jesus. He came, he was born, he lived, he died. Yes, this is important. But he left a community called the church. And so we're looking at Romans 12 saying, there's got to be room for more for us living like Jesus. And there has to be room for more of us following the pattern of Jesus. And there has to be room for more of us learning to serve and give ourselves away like Jesus. So we're taking our Christmas series is learning and discovering who the Holy Spirit is so that we can live out the mission of Jesus in our world. And so it's important when we think about the gifts. And we, if you were here two weeks ago, we were talking about the gift of prophecy. And today we're, we're looking at another gift that God has given. It's really important, though, that you realize the goal of the gifts is to grow in love. So the scale of 1 to 10, how much do I love the church? The conversation about being gifted by God is to propel us to live out love so that other people benefit and not just ourselves. Well, this is the text we've been looking at, Romans 12, 5 through 8. We've been looking at it every week. We're going to look at it every week and then focus on one phrase. So let me just read it again. If you've missed out, all of the teachings are on our podcast. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Jesus the Messiah, which is, that's Christ. So in Jesus the Messiah, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace that's been given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I teased it out uh, a few weeks ago that Paul uses two words that are similar. Gifts is charismata that are given by grace, which is charis. So that when we think about what the Holy Spirit does, Paul says they're connected. They're not like two different things. Some have gifts, some have grace. Like, no, you missed it. 
The gift is the Holy Spirit. And by his goodness, he enables us to do what we can't do in our own strength. But the point that Paul is making is there's one body and each belongs to everyone. We're all connected. That's why finding your place, fulfilling your role is so important because we're an interconnected thing. A real live human being. And it's just as if your lungs would say, nah, I don't want to work today. If your heart decided, it's not convenient, it's my day off. Or just the simple thing, stub your toe, I dare you. And the rest of you just aches. Every part is connected. When you function and I function and we function, it's better. And we're going to see that God can do more. Now, three things that we said at the beginning of this kind of mini-series within a series that frames our discussion about the Holy Spirit. Three things about the Spirit. Number one, the Spirit is the gift. It's not about you discovering your ability. What Paul is saying is everyone has been given the gift. The gift is God himself living in you. And now the Holy Spirit works through every Jesus follower. So it's not like, well, they're gifted and I'm not. No, no, no. If you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is the gift and God himself is going to work through you. For most of us, you don't even know it's happening. That's, that's the thing. It's like, I just want us to become aware, more aware of how God can work through us. But most of the time, God is working through you and you're not clued in till later on someone says, man, when you did that, this is what happened in my life. And you think, really? Wow, I didn't even know it. That's how God works. Third thing, the Holy Spirit empowers us to continue Jesus' work. Huge. When you talk about the gift of prophecy and serving and teaching and all of these things, these are things Jesus did. And now, because he said in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, it's better that I go away. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you myself, the Holy Spirit who is with you and will be in you, and greater things are going to happen through you, which sounds impossible till you realize, wow, one Jesus, one place, doing one thing, now millions, if not a billion people, filled with the same Spirit of God all over the world, doing the work of Jesus at the same time. You and I are involved in that kind of life. So if you've been interested, so say, what does the Bible say about gifts? It's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, also Ephesians 4, and then 1 Peter 4. We looked at the others. I want to start our discussion by looking at 1 Peter 4, because it has to do with this gift of serving. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards or managers of God's grace in its various forms. I want you to see the connection. Paul says the same thing that Peter says. Gift and grace are connected. These aren't abilities that we have. This is God working through us. If, and then he says, for example, if anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. How many of you want to represent God? <laughs> yeah. When you speak, when God is working through you, when you speak, speak as if you are speaking the very words of God. He's not toying with the church. He is saying, 
when you and I go out in this world and live out the Jesus life, God will, in fact, speak his life through you. You should expect it. If God's gifted you to speak, speak as if you were living for God. If any of you serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So if you're going to serve, you're going to serve under God's ability. If you're going to speak, you're going to speak with God's ability. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. The goal of realizing God wants to use us is not so we can say, man, I used to be, but now I am. That is not the point. The point is that when people see and you see and I see that God's working among us, we'll live in greater praise to God and say like, God, you're amazing. And then he says to him, God, be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That's God's goal. So amen means may it be so. Not may the force be with you, which is another story altogether. May it be. And we're asking God, may it be that you and I would grow in learning to live like God intended. So when we talk about gifts, we only looked at one, prophecy. But we need to see that they're different kinds. Uh, different writers, as they look at all of these passages, categorize. Some put two categories, put, some put four. I think three is helpful. And again, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So three is a good number, right? Speaking, serving, and leading. There are different kinds and expressions of the Spirit in Scripture. So you see speaking gifts, prophecy, teaching, tongues and interpretation, gifts of knowledge, serving. There's giving, mercy, hospitality, miracles and healing are serving gifts. In that when someone is broken, you're there. And you stand and you pray and God does what God does. That's a serving. Someone's suffering it's like a nurse or a physician or a specialist in a hospital. When you're hurting, what are they doing? They may be injecting or testing or whatever. Really, they're serving you. You're in need. They're there to bring you to wholeness. And then leading gifts as administration, gifts of wisdom. No matter how you categorize it, there are different types for different reasons. Today, I want to look at the gift of serving. And I think this is so awesome because last time we talked about prophecy, which for some of you, in a side note, thank you, because you decided to come back. After you have a 45-minute discussion on the gift of prophecy, you should expect to lose half the people in the church. Because it's new to some. And for some of you, are like, yes. I, some of you, I bet, said, that's happened to me. I didn't know what it is. Others, you're like, someone spoke to me. It touched my life. And I thought, wow, that was just wisdom. Now I realize that was actually God's goodness. God was communicating himself through someone else for my encouragement. Prophecy is one. It's, it's mysterious to some. It doesn't have to be. But that's one that when you think about gifts, that's what you usually think about. I, I love how God works. In the list, prophecy. And what's the second one? Serving. One sounds like the dynamo. And the other one sounds like a thud. Who wants a gift of serving? It doesn't, doesn't sound very spectacular, does it? But think about your interconnected body. What we do is, because we're human, we talk about what we see. So right now you're looking at my hands. Why? Because I'm looking at my hands. Right? And you're looking at, you're looking at the exterior. You see a face. And, and if you're close enough, you see feet. All you see 
is what's visible, but how much of my body are you looking at? There's more on the inside. I mean, where, where would we be? Where would your body be if your lungs weren't breathing in, breathing out, and sending oxygen? Your heart is pumping. You're not even thinking about it. You've been given an internal cleansing system. You have, you have a liver and you have kidneys that are taking everything that's going on in your body and recycling so that you don't die because of all the toxins that are in your body right now. God has created you as a dynamic, one person is a dynamic mix of parts. And so there, we, we, we judge things by what we see, but we fail to realize if every part of me did not function right now, I wouldn't be here. And the same thing, he uses a human example, the same thing with the church, God's people. How much do you love the church? It shows in the way you realize that you have a part or parts and your choice to function or to ignore. And you can choose either way. To function or to withhold your peace. But what, what would I be if my lungs decided to collapse? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be very helpful. As a matter of fact, if you're a doctor, you would be my best friend. All right. What is serving in the Bible? The word here in Romans 12 is diakonia. The word serving simply means to give aid or support to assist. Some of you have been given the gift of prophecy. If that's been your gift, then prophesy according to your faith. Some of you have been given the gift to assist. And I want to highlight this because some of you are wondering, am I, am, I, am I useful to God? And I would dare say that most of my body right now, my, my human anatomy, is just assisting, right? Little pieces that are doing their little bit, and together I can, I can function. The word diakonia is the same word that we get the word deacon from. We have deacons in our church. What is the role of a deacon in the church? And you see it throughout the New Testament that every church should have elders and deacons. And the goal of the deacon is to assist in the work of God so that everyone's functioning properly. Now, I want you to see, because when you look at a new word in the Bible, it helps to, to look up that precise word, how it's used throughout the New Testament to get a flavor, rather than me making up a definition or looking in some dictionary, you actually look at the Bible. So I'm just going to give you a few. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 15. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they devoted themselves, we're coming to it, to the diakonia, the service of the Lord's people. So at the end of a letter, Paul applauds some people. He's like, man, I thank God for this, this family. The household would be um, not only the person, Stephanus, but, but his wife and, and kids and, and all of his employees is your household. It's like, I thank God for this one group in the church. Why? They devoted themselves to assist the Lord's people. Thank God for them. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, Paul is a leader in the church, and he helps lead a guy named Timothy to Jesus, and then he sees a talent and a call, and he, he brings him on his team, and then he sends him to pastor a church, and he writes a letter to him. Paul's now in prison about to die. He knows it. This is his last letter. 
And he's giving us like, okay, Timothy, I love you. And he says, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Which is like really important for leadership. Don't blow your top. Don't live out of control. Why? Because if you want to lead, and this is a side note, I'll finish the verse. If you want to lead, and some of you are young, like, I want to lead, I want to lead a company, I want to be the top, I want to be the leader. And I've been there, and I can just tell you, more people, more problems. Right? Leadership is managing chaos. Because things by themselves fall out of sync. The goal of leadership is to bring people together. And my, let me just tell you, it's hard. So I love his word. Keep your head. Don't go berserk. Why? you got to be in control because people are going to be pulled apart naturally. Bring them together. Keep your head. Endure hardship. Being a family is hard. You know, young couple gets together and says, we're in love. Let's get married. Isn't that great? And they realize they got to live in the same house at the same time. And he goes, that was a lot harder. It was way easier when I could send you off. But now you're here. Okay. And then they say, well, we'll get better. Well, what we need is a focus. Let's have kids. <laughs> and then you realize more chaos. And then you read words like this. Like, Keep your head in all situations. This season will pass. This season will pass. Endure hardship. Managing other people is hard. In business, in friendship. And in family, and remember, the analogy of a body is a perfect example of what it means to follow Jesus. We're interconnected. And so do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, the goal and mission of the church is to help people experience life in Jesus. And by the way, churches get off when they begin to focus on their own problems. Because there's always problems. That will never go away. So as a, a church community, as a leadership, our, our mission is to keep you, keep us all focused on the big idea. Jesus loves everyone and wants to see everyone follow him. So do the work of evangelists. Timothy, keep telling people about Jesus, even as we're working out our interpersonal challenges, a.k.a. issues. Discharge all the duties of your, and here's the word, ministry. Diakonia. So in English, you can use lots of words to translate this serving. Works of service. And here it's ministry. So if you're wondering, like, I, nah, that's, ministry is what you're called to do, Jose. A actually not true. Because it's a group in Corinth. They just serve the Lord's people. Uh, we don't know if Stephanus was the pastor. Probably not. But the same word to this household of people who love people is the same word he uses to Timothy to say your, your role is service. Ministry is simply service. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So Jesus gave the, uh, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for diakonia, works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is interesting. The reason God gave groups of leaders in a church, and those names are, are just the leadership team in a church, the leadership team in God's body. What's their job? What's my role? My role is not to do things for you. So it's like, oh, good, you know, I, 
I come, I participate, I give a little bit so that the ministry continues. It's a misunderstanding of the Bible. The role of leaders in the church, paid or unpaid, is to call you to the ministry. My role, our role, is to remind you, you've been given the Holy Spirit. That means the Spirit of God wants to work through you. It's going to look different than everyone else. It's going to show up in different ways at different times. We want to be open to it. I want you to be prepared to do the work that God has called you to do. Because all of it is diakonia. These people are simply supposed to tell you, remind you, equip you, to say you have works that God wants to do through you. Which means we are all in the ministry. We are. I have people wherever I go say, man, that's so cool one day. I mean, it's so, such a cool thing that you get to be in the ministry and I'm a plumber. Man, I'd love to be in the ministry someday, but I'm an accountant. So I know what they mean. And what, what they mean is good. They have a heart to spend more time serving people, which is incredible. But you know what? If your house is flooding, do not call me. And if you need to figure out if you owe the IRS money, definitely don't call me. You have a ministry, and everything you do as a Jesus follower, everything that you do is worship to God and an act of service. God's wired you, equipped you. Now here's what you need to know. He's given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to love and care for people through whatever he's called you to do. Whatever you do, if it's done to Jesus, is ministry. And you say, but it doesn't seem like it because our company doesn't even be seemingly helping the world, but it does pay my bills. You know, like, what I'm doing really doesn't matter. Does it interface with any other human beings? Then it matters. Because you may not be excited about the vision of your company, but what if you caught a vision that God brought people to that company, brought you to that company, so that you can love them? Everything can be seen as an opportunity for the Spirit to flow through my life. Now, this is super important, and, and we have this showing up in our church. You may not realize this. We don't own this building, and I think that's a gift of God. Although if you got 10, 12 million and you want to give it to the church to buy this building, talk to me afterwards, I'm ready to buy it. But we don't own it. And it's an event center. And there's a party here every Friday night. And there's a party here every Saturday night. And there's conferences all week long. And everything in this room, minus the stage stays here. The screens go up and down. And even the backdrop has to come down if there's going to be an event that doesn't want to use it. Um, but every chair and the tables and the communion and the camera and the soundboard, the speakers stay up there. But everything in the other room, for the kids, everything in the side room, for the kids, everything is set up and everything after this gathering is torn down. Everything. And you know what? Here's the funny thing. I've seen it as like, man, someday we're going to graduate and be a real church. You know, like where actually just, you just you have a key, you open it and you walk in and it's all set. But here's what I'm finding. I've talked to other leaders who started set up teardown church, like us, and ended up moving into a building. And a bunch of them have said, Jose, I wish I could go back. Like, are you crazy? I wish I could go back because here's why. It started a culture in our church when we started and we were set up to tear down that everyone was a participant. Everyone was involved. But we moved into the building and we did a big fundraising drive and people gave money and then realized, okay, I did my part. Now I get to come to church. 
and when they call for people to serve, there's less of a natural, like, need for it because the rows are already there. And so I see is now rejoicing. It's an opportunity for us to be reminded every week that if it weren't for men and women, young and old, from every walk of life, we couldn't do any of this. There is no magic key, open the door, ah, it happens. Matter of fact, our musicians don't get paid. They don't. They're very gifted. But we have HR managers. We have Intel engineer. We've got all sorts of people from all walks of life that, that are serving in the week at a company or in their home and choose to serve you. Do you know that they get here at 5.36, sometimes on a later weekend, 7 o'clock, and set up their own equipment and rehearse and play twice and tear down after this? Why? Because they're crazy. They're crazy in love with you. They think you're worth it. They think that worshiping Jesus is a good thing and that maybe they can't do all of it, but they can do their bit, especially the dude in the back, shredding for Jesus. They're like just going for it. This is like, this is, this is service. And it may be through music and it may be through tech and it may be through lifting and it may be through uh, letting some young kids play with some toys and just guiding them along. It, like, Doing nothing but being there is not doing nothing. So that mom and dad can have a, f a few minutes of sanity and listen to God. This is the beauty of servants. So God gives speaking gifts. God gives serving gifts. God gives leading gifts. All of them are important. So how do we see a move of God like in our city, like how does it work? Because I, I don't want to just play church. I don't want to just do this every weekend and like ho-hum and the rhythm. I want to see God shake up the city and do something glorious that everyone will look and say, okay, they're not that smart. How'd that happen? And we can just say, Jesus did it. How does it happen? I got a taste of it. And last weekend, Phil and Diane Como were here, and I was speaking at a church that you have supported for years. You didn't even know it. In Tallinn, Estonia. Small country uh, in the Baltics, just west of Russia. And we've been a part since day one of this church, uh, partnering with a the church there that's helped plant churches and do evangelism and all sorts of amazing stuff. And I was there. I try to get to all the places that we serve around the world to, to report and, and encourage them. And so I was there speaking at the church in, in Estonia. They do multi-language the church has attracted a bunch of people who are expatriates who speak English. And it's also brought Russian speakers. And so, it, but the national language is Estonian. So they do everything simultaneous in, in English and in Estonian. And most people would know one of the two. And so I was speaking, and my interpreter was Paula. And Paula, I've known for six and a half years. And I need to tell you her story because it's going to tie into the gifts of service. About, well, we were being ready to be planted. I was already doing work in Estonia. And so the leaders of the church, leadership gifts, they had a vision to reach out to young people by doing an English camp. Here's why. Lots of young people, they learn English in school, but love to practice it with Brits or Americans. And so they said, let's, let's do a camp because in the summer the weather's gorgeous. 24 hours of daylight. It's kind of like Alaska. It's so, so north. Let's do a summer camp and let's make English the draw. Let's bring some young people who just speak English 
and let's get a camp together, have fun. And in that, they'll share their story and we'll share the gospel and have evening meetings and talk about God and introduce people to Jesus. Well, Paula is a student who was uh, going to a youth group because her friends would drag her along. She didn't believe a word of it, didn't believe the Bible, but she was fascinated because it sounded too good to be true, like a fairy tale. And she had a friend who invited her to the camp. Eh, I don't know. You need to come, Paula. No, I don't, I don't know. Just ask your parents. She's a beggar. Have you asked your parents? No, I haven't yet. Have you asked your parents? No, I haven't yet. Have you asked your parents? She's just tenacious because she knew if she can get her in this camp, she may have an open mind to Jesus. And so thank God for the tenacity of a friend who just loved her friend enough to say, I'm not taking no for an answer, which is very un-Estonian. They're just very more relaxed, chill people. They're not ag- aggressive, you know. And so she finds, yes, parents, okay, I'll ask him. What'd they say? Yes. Shoot. Okay, great. Come on, we're going. And she locked her in. And we had a team of people, Estonians and Americans, all together we integrated the leaders of the camp were just meshed between one team and the other. And most people cooked and cleaned and set up tents and played games and built a huge epic bonfire and, and led small group discussions. There was everyone doing everything. Well, uh, a couple of us spoke, just three of us had a chance to speak. And I remember, and Paula reminded me when I was with her, she said, you at the end of your talk said, if, if, you don't know if God exists, ask him. And he'll make himself real to you. And so that's, so she took that as like, yes, that's what I need to know. God, if you exist, and she's like, in that moment, I can't explain it. I knew. In my soul, oh my gosh, this is real. And so Paula, in that moment, said, like, I believe. But she never prayed with anyone. She's just like, I just, I believe. And I gave everyone a copy of a book that I'd written to help me believe. It's called Airborne, How to Get Your Faith Off the Ground. And she, she took it and she just went back and she just read the whole thing. And then we did a follow-up, uh, a little after party when the camp was over before the team left so that everyone could say goodbye and ask people, hey, do you have any questions? And then some had some sort of doubt about if this was true. And she says, she stepped in and said, no, this is all true. And then she heard what she said and thought, oh my gosh, I believe. Now, when you share a story like that, what usually happens is whoever spoke or led music is seen as that, man, I wish I, I, wish I could talk or I wish I could write a book or I wish I could put the keyboard because I can get people in like a spiritual trance. Like, you know, like somehow musicians and people with a microphone but it's clear to me, and as you hear her story, not only did she come to faith, but she stayed with Jesus. Six and a half years later, she's grown up in that church, and now she is the youth leader. At 21 years old, she is the youth leader in this church. And you know why it happened. Hear, hear me. Mostly because those with the gift of serving. Some with the gift of leading, God used them to envision the project. Some with, with, with musical or, or speaking ability, they did their part. But it was, if there wasn't breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if there wasn't a tent to sleep in, if, there wasn't, if she wasn't bussed there and bussed home, if, if there was no structure, no assistance. So I think if you look at the number of people who impacted her to follow Jesus, it was mostly people who served. 
And so what we want to do is not bring people too low and not elevate people too high, right? So there's nothing wrong. If God's giving you speaking ability, use it to the glory of God. If you could sing on key, send us an email and we will use you. You know, if you got instruments, great. But for most of us, you know what we're missing? The Holy Spirit gives me the power to take a vision and move it forward. And that's called assisting. Someone else had the vision, someone else has the plan, and you step in and say, I could do my bit. And I am telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to use every single one of us in some way. And in the end, people like Paula become leaders in the church at just 21. Amazing. Now, Jesus, in his definitive teaching on leadership, says it this way, Matthew 20. Jesus called his disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Uh, Jesus was looking at the political landscape and even the religious landscape, landscape. And he said, leaders that you see, they take their authority and they look down at people. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your diakonos, servant. Whoever wants to become great has to be a deacon. Not as a title, but as a heart, mindset. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Doulos, literally bond servant. No rights. I just do whatever the master does. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, sometimes we look at, we look at other people and we begin to compare. Like, I wish I had that gift and I wish I had that gift. And on another note, some of us judge leaders without giving thought. Unless you have led at a high level, you have no idea how hard it is to lead. We judge people, whether it's political leaders or in the school or in your, in your job. You have no idea the reports that your boss may be getting and the decisions they may be having to make. And if you think letting people go makes them giddy, and if you think cutting things gives them, <laughs> great, I get to destroy people's lives. Now, some may seem that way, but that wears on your soul. Leadership is hard. And so what Jesus says, in my kingdom, here's how it's going to work. Greatness is when we take the lower position and we serve. So some of you may be saying, well, I don't have these upfront gifts. To which I say, great, you sound a lot more like Jesus. He didn't come to be served. He knew the truth of God. He taught the truth of God. But in the end game, he dies naked. They even ripped his clothes off to shame him. And he just came to serve. And on the night before he's going to go to the cross, he takes a towel and he gets his disciples and says, if you want to follow me, this is what it looks like. And he goes to wash their feet. By the way, if you've been in the Middle East, it's all dirt and dust and disgusting. He takes a basin. He says, okay. And Peter's like, no, you can't wash my feet. If you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. You don't understand what leadership is about. And he, and he wraps a towel and takes the nature of what would be the lowest of a low, low, low servant. And says, I'm going to clean you. And you should do the same. Leadership in the kingdom is about serving. So the gift Letting the Spirit of God work through you in service, in assisting others, is not a low 
task. In our culture, we are, we are trained that the top is the CEO or managing director or owner or entrepreneur and the receptionist or the doorman or the janitorial crew or whatever it is, they're, they're the low in the importance of the organization. And Jesus says, the person cleaning the wastebasket is great in the kingdom because they're not seen but they're important. And because they're faithful, everyone else gets to function. Greatness is about service. So where do we begin? This is super important because I want you to see that you have a part to play and not everyone's going to prophesy. Many will. But some of you, in various ways, this Holy Spirit-empowered service is the sweet spot of what God wants to do through your life. Two things you could do. Number one, open your eyes. Like, well, I, 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 can, I, can, I can assist. Open your eyes. You want to be used by God? Open your eyes. Look around you. The people that God is probably calling you to serve are probably not on the other side of the world. They may be. And if God urges you, get out of here and go. Probably they're, if you're married, sleeping in the same bed. If you have kids or relatives, they have the same last name or DNA. If you're working, they're colleagues, even if you don't like them. If you're in school, it's the teachers and administration and fellow students. If you're in a neighborhood, they're around. We just open your eyes and the Holy Spirit, when I say serve, it's not just about doing tasks. It's about assisting people. And that could take so many forms. And it could, you actually, here's the great news. You could be paid to be filled with the Spirit and be used. God may have given you a job that naturally enables you to do what you love. Just like service is supposed to be about like sacrifice. Yeah, but God gave us this thing called joy. You can actually like it. It doesn't ha- Now, it won't always be that way. Sometimes to define your character, God will put you in the least likely spot and say, be faithful. I, I want to work on some character stuff. But you faithful long enough and you may find yourself enjoying the very thing you dreaded. And he's like, aha, now I can use you. So it doesn't mean you will like it or you are great at it. But often that is the case. You actually, by the way, I love what I do. Like, I, this is a dream job. But it's work. It's just service. Y- you can love it. And then the second thing, open your hands. Open your eyes to see and open your hands. Make yourself available. What's going to keep you from the Spirit using you? Well, I, I think it's truth. If we think that everything's about us and me and Church should be about me and it's about my life and my choices and my calendar and and my money and my and my. As long as it's mine, I'm probably not going to let go. But when I see everything as God's, every 24-hour period is God's. It's God's day on Monday. Sunday isn't the Lord's day only. He happens to own all seven. And so if every day is now seen, okay, today is your day, God, and I don't even know what's going to come, but I want to be used... Open your hands and be willing to drop things to care for people. And if we'll live that way, if everyone lives that way, then we're going to be a different kind of church. And it's happening here. It's happening here right now. I think of lots of people. I'm just going to throw out a few. And if I don't call on you, it's not that you're not important. It's just I can't 
spend the rest of my time talking about every single one of you. But I think of Mike and Shay Marshman. They were in the first gathering, so I could really talk about them because they're not here. But former chief of police of the city of Portland, and he faithfully serves here behind the scenes in our security team. And if you don't think that we're thinking about things that people are thinking about, then I've already confused you with my verbiage. <laughs> we're thinking about the safety and security of, but he's, it's a natural talent, but he's just doing it out of love for you. His wife, Shay, they have no children biologically, and God stirred her to serve with kids, which makes no sense in her mind. She's a PhD in organizational management, and she's worked in, in the correctional facilities with some of the gnarliest of inmates and gnarly situations. Her expertise is prison. But God stirs her to help little children. But he did it to stretch her character. And she says at the beginning, I'm scared to death, I'm scared to death. And now you look at her, she's like, I love it! I love it! And she has gotten stretched to the point where we just needed some help in a season to with our setup. And can you help us? And they're coming faithfully every week before you get here to, to set up that our kids have a great experience. And they don't have a family of their own. See what I'm talking about? They're just taking the nature of a servant. We have a tech team that does all of this stuff. And I was just looking at the list. We have Intel engineers who help set up. Now, wow, guys and ladies with, with skill of engineering and equipment, novel idea, right? Uh, we have a, a certified licensed electrician who's working with our tech. That kind of makes sense. The same mentality to, to wire out a building is to wire out sound for you. So God can use natural talents as well as heart. But they all show up and faithfully serve because they love you. Well, Juan Carlos is a medical doctor who clicks buttons to do the screen. Why? Because he just heard it was a need. So, like, talk about being overqualified. But if I have a heart attack, here he is. Yeah, you know. Uh, we have in our kids' area the biggest spectrum of people. Middle schoolers can serve. Middle schoolers. High schoolers can serve. We have a bunch of 20-somethings who serve our middle schooler and high schoolers on Wednesdays, and they're here for youth. The majority of people who serve in this church don't get anything financially. We had a couple of people stand up and say, I'm going to willing to help because we've seen more and more Pacific students coming, and they didn't have enough vehicles, so we have a van, and we started a shuttle service. And so guess what? Ironically, the first two people happen to be certified bus drivers. And they stepped up and said, they do this for work, but they're serving. And the point is not what you do. It's that your heart says yes. And you do something with your heart and then your hands. That you do something. And in our setup team, it's ironic. We have every kind of person possible. Fathers and sons come to set up chairs. And we have a bunch of business owners. It's really interesting. Business owners who, I know one of them, the, their shop is open six days a week. Probably puts in 60 to 70 hours a week. Could sleep in on Sunday. Gets up early to set up your chairs. Wow. It's, and, and, and every one of them would cringe if they knew I was mentioning them right now. Because they're not in it for themselves. They're just in it for Jesus. And in it for you. Now, when it comes to serving, here's the healthy reminder. Serving is not a suggestion. It's a command. If you read the tone of 
Romans 12. If your gift is serving, then serve is a command. He's telling the church, if this is God's work through your life, you better do it. Peter says the same thing. If anyone serves, they should do so with God's strength. How many want to waste God's strength? <laughs> I don't even know. If he's given it to you, you want to use it. And so we need to see that serving has a wide base of expressions. It's in the workplace. It's at home. It's not just in church, but it does include church. So here's what I need to do. Because it's really important that you, need, that you know none of this just happens. And I'm calling on you because Romans 12, it's a command. I'm calling on you with that kind of tone. Can you just step up and do what God's called you to do? And if you don't know, here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. And I'm actually not kidding. Twice in a month, you get to play on your phone in church. You should love me. All right? I want you to take out your phone. No joke. Take out your phone. If you have an internet browser on it, just take it out now. Open your, I have Safari, you have whatever. Open up your browser and type in what's on the screen, the number 26westchurch.org. If you could just do it like right now. Serious. If we don't get practical, it's all head knowledge and it's no action. So here we're going to be real practical. When you hit go or whatever you hit, you're going to get our website and you're going to see a pop-up. It's on my thing. We are a community that serves together. Experience life in Jesus through serving. I dare you. This is going to be a guy for a second. All right, I dare you to press that button. Serving. Boom. AT&T, slow. Um, but it, man, it's chugging. Sorry if I'm taking your bandwidth. All right, it's going to take you right to our serve page, which gives you name, email, mobile number, which gathering would you like to serve in? You could choose 9 or 11, or I'm available for, for either. Weekly rotation. We don't want anyone serving every week. You can choose not specified. That is, maybe you could do once a month. Or if you know, we do everything rotation, first and third, and sometimes fifth, um, and then second and fourth. And, and then once you, you, you click that, and if you don't know, just put unspecified. And then set up coffee, welcome, host, teardown, kids, music, media, and production. These aren't all, but these are, the, these are the top. And you could click, look, oh, look at me, click away. I can click multiple, I can click all, don't click all of them. But, and then I just make sure that you press submit. And when you do that, we're going to get in contact with you after Thanksgiving and looking at the beginning of the year. Christmas is coming, we realize. Um, but in January, we want, we want to get you set up and we want you serving, two things are going to happen. You're going to find joy. You're going to find joy. When you give your life away, if you want to you gain life, give it away, says Jesus. You want to lose life, hold on to it. Make it your own. Second thing is, you're going to build some relationships, friendships. If people say, I just feel like this church is too big and it's disconnected. You know what my number one question is going to be? Just so just, I, I dare you, ask me. Where are you plugged in? Are you in a community? No. Are you serving? No. I was like, it's like the lung saying, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do my own thing. And I'm not, if you're in a season of suffering and you need to come and this is your only chance to receive, I totally get that. Do not receive this as a guilt trip. Most of us, have so scheduled our Sundays 
that we don't serve because we filled it with less important things. Sorry. Well, I do my shopping. Well, I have, we, you know, I, I, gotta, I have to have brunch. And I, I have to do this. And I have to go play. And I have to. And I have to. And I have to. And I, I'll go back to my first question. How much do you love the church? Scale of 1 to 10. If you love the church 7, 8, 9, you will make the time to serve. So all the gifts are a matter of love. Here's the good news. God wants to stimulate love in your life. And he will do it through putting you in a place where you can give your life away. So in response, now putting our phone away by the grace of God, unless you're filling it out right now. And I've been stalling because I see some of you. You're scrolling, you're clicking, and that's important. We will get with you after Thanksgiving. Our team's taking the week off to love their family and eat too much. So... Um, why don't you stand on your feet and let's now respond and worship to Jesus. Let's ask him to do what only he could do. Only Jesus can motivate me to get out of my comfort zone. Only Jesus can give me the power to do what I feel disqualified or unqualified. Only Jesus can show me the right place to go. So let's now turn our eyes towards him and let's ask him to lead us on. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we have power now to live for you. We thank you that you already want to work through us in unique, specific, custom-made ways that others would know of your love. And now, Holy Spirit, we ask you, push us out of our comfort zone. Show us where, show us who, show us when, show us how, and we want to be the people who say yes to you. We invite you, Lord, to do that, not just in this moment, but for a lifetime in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. Let's respond and worship to our King.